Courtside Indiana podcast is brought to you by Metro Indy Basketball Fall League. The 14th annual Fall League runs from Sundays, October 11th through November 1st. For more information and to register, visit MetroIndyBasketball.com. Also, Box Out Sports, the best sports graphics platform. Built for speed and control with your organization in mind. Try it now for free at BoxOutSports.com. Welcome to Courtside Indiana Podcast. Uh, this is our episode 33. And I'm, as always, I'm Jim Reamer. And, and once again, joined with Zach Tyler. Zach, how was your week? Uh, went well. Ended up having to finish up the week virtually because of some uh, COVID outbreak in our school. So we're virtual this week also. And then hope to get back on Monday, I guess, back in action. So that's what you were referring to before we started recording was. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't hear that part. Um, Yes, yeah, too bad. That's I mean that's look that's what's going on in football in fall sports. Uh, what Vanderbilt just canceled a football game the other day. Uh, is it this upcoming weekend or did it what happened this past weekend? Because they had a they didn't have enough players or they're not going to have enough players. One or the other. Um, and that's the existence of what high school football is looking like right now. Um, yeah. Every week there's a postponement, and you know I don't know. I just think that's what it's going to be for the short run, and and I, I think we're probably going to touch on that stuff a little bit too after we get past the news. So uh, get us caught caught up as always on our most recent offers and commitments, and we'll chit chat about that then move on real quickly. All right. So we had a handful of offers this week and a couple commitments. Um, Jake Moynihan from Richmond, Indiana. He goes to Seton Catholic. He got a mes- mesquite, you know, excuse me, Muskegon offer. Dorian Harris from Merrillville picked up his second offer. This one from Olivet Nazarene. Isaiah Davis, Greenwood Christian, got a Lee University offer. That's D2. Andrew Leeper from up here at Homestead, also Palm Beach Atlantic offer. That's also D2. Um, Billy Smith from Brebuff down there with you. Got the IWU offer, Indiana Wesleyan. That's a big crossroads league offer for him. And then CJ Gunn. Got an Xavier offer. The two commitments this week, we had Darrell Reed from Hammond going down to uh, Coach Mo Williams at Alabama State. And then Jackson Paul from Cherubusco is joining his his uh, partner in crime at Cherubusco, Landon, Landon Jordan at Huntington. He's going to co- go play for Coach Alford at Huntington. Yeah, they've had a, they've had some a few commitments here lately, haven't they? Um, yeah. Lane, Lane Sparks. Yeah. Lane Sparks was the most recent one. It was last yep. week. So yeah. Coach Alford getting it done up there at least in the early going and at least on paper, at least recruiting wise. Right. And you know, that's, that's the same part of the state. His dad started coaching was, was Manchester and division three is a little different than coaching at the NAI level. So in some regards, um, in, in some regards, his Corey is off to a is at a little bit of a higher level to start. So um, the Reed commitment, you know, again, that's a kid that probably is impacted by the the lack of a normal summer. And Alabama State, um, you know, was able to, was able to snag a uh, commitment out of Indiana last year. They followed it up with a commitment out of Indiana this year, I'm sorry, class of 2019 
And now they followed it up with a commitment out of the class of 2021 with Daryl Reed, the six foot seven inch power forward, extremely athletic, very, very active. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he can do facing the basket. Uh, most of his touches with him, at least the, the game and a half I've had a chance to see. So that may not be a large sample size, but most of his touches are around the paint. He's, he's got a little Montrez Harrell feel about him. Is that you watch enough of uh, the Clippers to know what I'm to agree with that or just or have an opinion about that? Yeah, I can see that. I mean, see, Darrell's high energy, going to rebound. He's going to defend the heck out of you. So I feel like he does those things really well already. Yeah, and I'm, I love Harrell. So anytime yeah. you get a guy that plays that hard and, and I, I love a good rim run big. I think Reed could be that guy. And, and then, you know, he'll have time to develop other aspects of his game. And even, even what he's got is going to have to continue to develop the play to, for it to translate to the division one level. So, um, but yeah, if he's, if he's that guy at that level, then he'll, he'll be successful there. So tell us a little bit about Jackson, Paul, what he'll, what he'll bring to Huntington. Uh, Jackson's a floor general. Um, good on the ball for sure. He's improved his shot some out from outside this summer. Um, just a winner brings high energy winner. He'll, he always gets others involved. And I, I just feel like that's a good fit for him at Huntington. Yeah, they will. Um, high IQ kids who can play, who could play fast. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that that's going to, be successful in a lot of different a lot of different levels so um and the crossroads league is i guess we're lucky we we say this a lot we're lucky we've got some of the best basketball at every level in college and and that's and that's good it allows some some of these kids especially to stay close to home so their families can see them um and so if they ever need laundry done they can just take a quick short drive and and have right. it taken care of so um <laughs> The Moynihan interesting or offered for uh, Muskegon that gives him an opportunity if he were to go that route to get re-recruited. Jake's a kid that I know I probably need to see more of, but he is a legitimate size in that class, in this 2021 class. He's a guy that statistically puts up huge numbers. He's he's one of the state's leading rebounders. Um, I coached a kid from Centerville class of 2005 who ended up going to St. Joe's division two school at the time. It's no longer open, but, but he was one of the state's leading rebounders at a, at a two A school. And what I found out then is that rebounding translates, you know, and, and he was, he broke his foot his senior year of high school, still played on it through the, through the tournament. Um, Of course it hindered his ability. But they basically said you can't do any more damage to it, uh, so you might as well keep playing. And then he took care of it after that, and I think he was still a little injury prone. Um, prone is probably too strong of a word, but he, he struggled with it in college. But, but Moynihan reminds me of him in terms of just his motor, you know, developing skill set that maybe at a junior college level, not, not saying he's thinking that, but maybe at a junior college level, he gets a chance to go that way, continue to develop his skill, and then transfer into a four-year school 
with two years of, of competitive college under, you know, under, under his belt. So, um, I don't know. It'd be, I'd be curious to see what he does collegially because I think he's a kid that probably should be getting division two low division one interest and getting forward, looking forward to seeing him play the next three weeks in the, in the fall league that we're running over here. So, um, well, we don't, uh, we're, we're kind of running out of topics, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think we've got some things planned for as the season gets closer. That's probably a little too early to discuss now. But later in the show, later in the episode, I'll be with J.D. Hall and Caleb Lynn, two young, two young guys that graduated or one still at school at IUPUI and the other one graduated from IUPUI and School of Journalism. They um, will be talking about the Metro Indy Basketball Fall League, which is the fall league that I run. And I thought they we've already recorded it. They did a great job of breaking down some of the action they saw. So there will be that after you and I get done talking here. Um, but what, what's something we, you and I have tossed around a couple of ideas. So why don't you throw out one of them and, and we'll discuss it and, and, and see where it goes. Yeah. I mean, I figured since one, we're getting closer to the season here, uh, we could probably discuss what we think it's going to look like moving forward into the, the actual season. Uh, fans wise, uh, media wise, games being streamed, that type of thing. Well, if it's, if it's like what happened in the summer, we recorded all of our games and streamed them live on, on Facebook. So we had a parent do that. And it was, it was, a, it was pretty successful. I thought, I, you know, it's, it's not great angles being in a high school gym with bleachers you know, where you can get above the action a little bit is going to provide some better angles. So we were hindered by that. I know there were some games where we were able to get up top, you know, get above the action, get above the court. I thought those games looked excellent. Uh, parent did a great job of, uh, of filming our games. And I don't ever listen to the audio when I rewatch it. So for all I know, it could have been, <laughs> could have been cracking on me, <laughs> uh, but I doubt it. But still at the same time, um, a lot of teams did that. You know, of course, a lot of events also streamed a lot of games. So, yeah. Now down here, and it's this not exclusive to this area, but down here, pretty much every game is recorded and streamed to some level. So it it's not it's not anything that will be new this year. I think what'll what's going to happen is is they're going to have to upgrade upgrade capacity because they are going to have more people doing it. I don't know how well the football streams are going. I mean, obviously we have like the Mick network down here, other places. There's uh, what's, what's the, what's the Summit place? City. Summit city up here in Fort Wayne does. Yeah. Games. They, they did. So they did a great job in the summer. There's a group yeah. out of Kokomo that does it professionally. Um, they just picked up, I saw a tweet where they just picked up, looks like maybe they picked up some sort of agreement with the IHSAA. Um, I know they do a great job and now it, it, it's fast something. I can't remember what the heck they call it. Um, and the, the games I watched, the sectional games that I watched uh, leading in or the, the regional weekend out of just sheer depression. Um, I thought those games were streamed extremely well. The, the, yeah. the recording quality of those games were good. Um, you know, and it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of that, but I think that stuff's already being done. Clearly it's already being done because it was out there this past year, the IHSA network and the, the affiliates if you if you download the ihsa app on roku or apple tv 
you have access to a slew of games from last year. I believe they're still up. Uh, I know they were through, through, uh, through May because I watched a lot of those games, mostly just to get a, just to get a look at kids that I didn't get a chance to see during the year. Um, so that, that's, that part of it will be certainly more common this year. Um, schools that aren't doing it already or hadn't been doing it already, I don't know what their options are. A friend of mine is, is extremely active in that field. He deals mostly with colleges and, and mostly um, with athletics, but not revenue sports. So he's dealing with colleges like, say, on swimming or cross country or track or, you know, and so his job is to handle the equipment, the connection and the software. And, you know, I, he's got six Big Ten schools. He's got a number of schools in the Midwest and, and out east. And he's like, right now, this was the most successful year they had had. So, you know, a lot of these places, uh, and it's not just sports, but a lot of these places are turning more to streaming. And, and that means equipment. That means, like I said, that means software. And, and that means uh, storage and streaming capacity. So we went with Facebook because it handled the storage and streaming extremely well. We could have done Twitter, but it wouldn't have archived nearly as nicely. Um, looking in more toward maybe a dedicated YouTube channel or a Twitch channel. Those types of things are, are decisions that uh, schools will have to, will be able to make and, and see if they can control some of their own stuff if they're not part of a, a conference like the MIC. But, the, you know, the MIC has its own network. So all those schools, Carmel, North Central, Center Grove, Ben Davis, Ellen, LC, Warren, uh, who missed in Center Grove, Pike, all those schools are part of that. And I, I think if it's not free, it's some small expense where you, you can watch pretty much something every week. Um, but now the interesting thing will be what happens in games. And I'm, I'm no authority on this, but I, I, I think it'll be friends and family. It'll look like AAU games, basically. Yeah. I if agree. we're at current, if it doesn't improve. Yeah. And if it gets noticeably worse and we have to, you know, the state decides to step in and do some different things, then it'll be less or maybe I don't think it'll will regress to the point where we're not having games. I just I don't see that happening. I know our first I know our first week, the fall league was yesterday. We at no point did we exceed 106 people in the stands um, to watch the games being played. So obviously at that point, we're also having, you know, we have kids playing, but in the stands, including the kids not playing, we, we never got more than 106. And I thought we had a good turnout. We had a normal turnout uh, despite, you know, despite what's going on. And now there's not, it, it, at that point, it's, it's all family, you know? So these are mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, maybe, you know, maybe a, a sibling. Sure. So it's not like we're drawing a casual audience. It's literally four rows of bleachers, you know, in, in two separate gyms, basically. And that's one nice thing about where we're hosting the fall league is we're using two gyms. So we have two separate capacities. Uh, but even at one capacity limit, we wouldn't we still would be underneath that and, and be able to function normally. Um, a high school game wouldn't be able to function normally like that. 
they're going to have to they're going to have to have some the restrictions are going to make those those audiences smaller no question about it and the a number that was quoted to me was that schools are being treated differently than independent facilities and schools right now i guess i don't know if it's all schools or just maybe in this area but it looks like they're going to be operating at least on indoor events at a 20 percent capacity as things stand currently i don't, I don't think that's any secret so hopefully <laughs> um, but you know what that means if it's a if it's a gym that seats three thousand people you know 20 percent is 600 there's some times where they have, maybe it won't impact it as much as we think, but, um, but 20% of 3000 is 600. So if you're looking at, you know, if you're looking at parents of players, parents of cheerleaders, parents of managers, families of coaches, um, then you're looking at students. Um, you know, there, there will definitely be some schools that will be impacted, but then there will be other schools that, that may not be impacted as much. I don't think it will impact other sports. I don't think it would impact girls basketball that much. Um, man, that's not fair because there's some girls programs that are extremely well supported, but you, you get my drift on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think we'll take a lot of, a lot of things that have happened with football into the basketball season. Uh, obviously wearing masks in the stands, yeah, trying to stay the social distance, uh, buying tickets through apps or online before games probably will happen still. I assume. Yeah. And if you, and if, any, if you're listening to this and you've not gone to a football game or followed much about that, all ticket purchases will be via apps. will be, yeah. will be online, I should say. And, and some of the experience will be app related on your phone. So if you haven't paid attention to what your football program is doing, and I've not been to a football game, so it's, I'm not participating directly, but I follow very closely our athletics program here um, and the tweets they have, especially the football tweets, because that's, those are the events that have the most logistics involved. Right. Everything is app related. Everything is pre-purchase, you know, and, and there are some restrictions, but I don't know. I don't know what the crowds have been like. Um, so I don't, I don't know what to expect from a basketball perspective. I, I do think it'll be friends and families. And if they got room for some students, it'll be great. Um, the, the casual observer, it'll be guys like me and, and you that go to games where we're going to have to do diligence to make sure that we're set up ahead of time. We can't just show up. Right. So, cause we're not going to have traditional tickets probably. Um, and I don't expect that will hinder media types. Um, even those of us that create our own media world, I guess. Um, but it will, it will take some pre-planning and some, and some communicating. So the, um, the interesting thing that I heard, cause you, you, you and I were talking about this Thursday and I had just had a walkthrough to how we were going to handle Fisher's high school for the, for the fall league. And the interesting thing that was, brought up was that at Fishers and I think I I can't imagine this being different you know I can imagine a lot of other schools doing this too but at Fishers 
you're going to have to have, well, if people are familiar, they play the freshman games the same time as the JV games, especially the bigger schools that have, you know, multiple gyms that, that can handle spectators. So they're going to play the, the freshman games the same time as the JV games, which they've been doing that for, for years now. But you're going to have to have a separate ticket, at least at Fishers. And I don't imagine, and, and Hamilton Southeastern, I can't imagine it being two different, a lot of different places, but you're going to have to have a separate ticket to go to the freshman game than you would if you were you know, going to the JV varsity game. So your ability to go to the freshman game and then the varsity game, you will have to have two tickets. Now, whether or not you have to pay for two tickets, I don't know if that's the case, but you will definitely have to have it because they are going to control and count their capacity in, in each room, so to speak, in each gym. If you treat each gym as a separate capacity, which is what they are allowed to do according to the state and according to the, according to the county health departments, each gym has its own capacity. So they are going to count and control how many people can be in those places. So you will have to have separate tickets. So how that's managed school to school remains to be seen. If ticket for one gets you into the other, if, if the capacity is lower then you know, you might not have to buy both, but I, I imagine some places you probably will have to buy both. Right. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully we, hopefully that is what we get to do. Cause the worst case scenario there, you know, there's plan B is no games, you know, or plan B is, is really strict, just friends, family, and, you know, maybe media, not even friends, just family and maybe media. That's what the regional was going to be. I had already had set up my credentials, our, our credentials, both of us, and confirmed them that we were going to be good to go. Uh, and then they pulled the plug that Friday afternoon. So um, I was going to be masked up and ready to roll. Yep. Um, then they canceled it. So I'm not, and I'm definitely not criticizing the canceling. It just was a bummer. So, but we're getting close, man. We're getting close and I'm yep. Looking, yep. looking forward to it. So there was another topic you wanted to discuss. Yeah. Um, we kind of threw out the idea of going over rankings, class rankings of, of how, how those are put together, how maybe parents should take those or, consider what those mean even even the kids considering those with those what those mean uh and, and who they're coming from maybe even too well you you and i talk about this in real time you know what's your view on like as we're ranking kids or as we talk about our you know how we rank kids or how kids compare to each other what's your view on what matters the most in terms of college coaches. Cause I know you talk to college coaches as much as you talk to me. So, um, you know, what's, what's your view? What are you looking for when you, when you read other people, when you read other rankings? Uh, some things I'm looking for are how does, how does stuff translate to the next level? What does a kid do that's going to translate well to the next level? I'm looking at ceiling. Has the yep. kid developed all that he's going to develop or, or is he just at a point where he needs the college level to develop even more is something I'm looking at. Uh, and then work ethic also, obviously, and work ethic, maybe not, doesn't always go into rankings. Uh, sometimes maybe probably not, but that's, those are, those are three important things I'm looking at when I'm 
when I'm trying to decide to, on a kid and his level. I might, I might look at work ethic more than some others, but, but it's tough when you don't see kids day to day. Right. And it, you also take the chance too of being wrong because one day that kid's going to wake up and, and oh, click. For sure. And people are going to forget that he didn't put in work when he was a freshman or he didn't put in work when he was a sophomore. And um, that's the nature of talent. Talent can bail you out sometimes. So, um, but if you don't ever click, then you get passed up pretty quickly. And that's, you know, that's what we see with a lot of these guys. So I, I'm not a big believer in long lists. Um, I don't think they have much value beyond a point. I think that every, every five kids you list, there's probably two more who belong in that area. So when you start getting down to, when you start getting down to 20 kids, you know, that, that's probably another 16 kids that, or that's bad math. That's probably another eight kids that belong. Um, you know, when you get, when you get to a hundred, that's probably another 40 kids that belong. And, you know, so as that expands exponentially, you can, you can start to see where, People wonder, I'm the 30th best kid. In the, you think I'm the 30th best kid in this class. He thinks he's better than the 20th best kid. He, you know, maybe he's got a point. Right. You know, he, he might be. There's not a lot of difference. There, there's not a lot of difference between the, if you look at like the ESPN top 100 or 150 or whatever it is, there's not a lot of difference between 30 and 90 in a lot of cases. Um, and I'm just making up numbers, so there's definitely not a lot of difference between 40 and 90, <laughs> but, the, but the higher up that list you go or lower down the, or the farther down you, that list you go, the, the smaller the separation is between, between the beginning of that, between the beginning of what you're looking at, you know, and, and, and the, you know, and the, and the end of that range. Right. right definitely. You know, meaning, there might be a there, there's probably a bigger difference between one and ten than there is from thirty and ninety. Definitely, you know, and and there's there's definitely a bigger difference between one and fifteen or twenty than there is between thirty and ninety. Um, and then what makes those kids stand out at the next level is what you talked about, which is work ethic, you know, and and how much work that kid puts in to to improving his weaknesses and, and to understanding not just what he's good at, but is what he's, is what he's good at translate to, does it translate to the next level? There's a lot of kids that are really good at things. It's, it's not going to work out at the next level. Like a six foot five inch post player is not going to be a division one post player. Exactly. You know, he's going to have to be, people look at stats and they say, um, you know, this kid did this, this kid did that. And the answer is, well, he's not facing, you know, he's not facing the kind of size you're going to have to face in the Big Ten or the Big East or the, or the ACC to get that done. And, you know, we have that, we have those discussions off air a lot, not just between you and me, but with other people. And so you start looking at translatable skills. Um, right now, there's a huge difference between a my opinion of Joey Hart and some other people's opinion of Joey Hart, I guess eventually we'll see who's, who's more accurate, but, but, a, 
but it's subjective. You know, it doesn't mean I'm right. Somebody else is wrong or, or flip it. Time will tell. And, and I'm sure there'll be kids that I, that I miss on, um, you know, hell we all missed on Gordon Hayward back in the day. Of course we didn't anticipate he'd grow eight inches, but, <laughs> but you know, you, you didn't realize the killer instinct he had, you know, um, as a player, he doesn't look the part in, in that regard, his, his body type, as he was younger, you just, even as he was growing, you thought, well, he's just going to be, you know, he's not just going to be, he's going to be long and lanky. And, and all of a sudden he gets to Butler and he's getting every long rebound. He's usually guarding other teams best or second best perimeter player. It's just things that he wasn't doing at Brownsburg until his senior year. So by the time he was ready to commit, you know, we, a lot of us missed him, you know, it's just how that goes. Now growing helped, you know, but then, growing allowed his his guard skills to be a huge asset and then also his IQ and 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 how he played the game and I don't I don't think he changed his approach other than the fact that he realized that he could he could be more assertive offensively so I I like to handle rankings and tiers so if we get if we get a group of kids we might have I don't know we might have a list of 15 point guards and you know, 11 of them are division one guys and, you know, and we might stop our list at 11, right. You know, we, we talk about that and sure. You know, how many of those guys are high major prospects in our opinion, how many of those guys are mid major prospects you look at, you know, it, it may not matter if you're one through, if you're one through five, it may not matter that much if, if you're viewed as a high major prospect. So we, we talk about tears a lot. And that's because college coaches talk about tiers a lot. College coaches don't care what your ranking is. They want to know, are you good enough to play here? So that tells me that all they care about is, can this kid be, can this kid play at Indiana? Can this kid play at Purdue? Can he play at Butler? Can he play at Ball State? Not only that, can he, can he help us be at the top of the conference? Um, so that's... That's where that goes. And, I, and, you know, parents get hung up in them. They, they do get hung up on the number. Um, I would, I don't, who, I don't remember. We may have talked about it in the podcast. Um, or it was discussion I've had recently. And I wish I could remember what position it was. Um, well, let, let's just take, you know, let's take Leland, Leland Walker, um, Tayshawn Comer and, and, Braden Smith. I don't know. I'm sure they have their own their own ego into the into that discussion as to who's better. I don't know that it matters who's better. You know, it, what matters is if the college coach is interested in them, is can they play at that level? And I think those three stand out. Um, you know, Jalen Jackson's a kid I like, and you know where does he translate? I to me, he's a low D1 guy. And, you know, if he can, if he can really, if he can really ratchet up his range, he becomes, he becomes maybe mid-major interest. Um, but, you know, what he's ranked or, or where he is, none of that matters. It, what matters is, is where do people think he can play at what level? 
That's that's the that's the most important question. I've never been asked where a kid is ranked in yeah. third in thirty years, at least by yeah. coaches. Exactly, and that, I was just gonna say that I've never heard a I've never had a coach ask me either. Where, where was this kid ranked in your in the rankings? No, that that doesn't happen. And maybe maybe it does, but it's never significant. It usually is under the guise of who do you think's better. And I honestly always usually answer that with, well, if they're both good enough to play there, I, if my, my answer always is, it doesn't matter. They're both good enough to help you. That's always my answer. If, if they are, if, if, if I think one of them's a little bit better then I might, then I would definitely say that. Yeah. Um, or if, if let, me, let me rephrase that. If I think that they're both good enough to play, you know, then the answer will be, it, it doesn't matter. Um, they're good enough to help you win games. They're good enough to help you win your league. You know, that that's its own answer. It, it has nothing to do with actually who's better. Right. Sometimes who's who's better to a college coach depends on what else they have in the roster. One kid might be a better fit than the other, so the ranking doesn't – the ranking, ranking has, has no matter. Go. No matter at that point. So – but I get it, kid. Go ahead. No, I was just going to even talk about just my experience at the NAI level. The, the, the rankings, they, they had no, no thought. I guess what am I trying to say? They really didn't impact who was being who you're going to recruit. Right. It was it was like you're saying, and we've talked about. It was fit, and is the kid working at it, and what's the ceiling like? Those are the, the the ceiling is a big one too because you can snag a snag a kid from high, in high school just by what he looks like, and he could have a higher ceiling than a D one kid that actually goes D one and doesn't even doesn't play. He could develop better than at high school sometimes. Right, De- develop at the D two schools better sometimes. <laughs> well, Duncan Robinson. There you go. Uh, you know, and that's that doesn't happen a lot, but yeah, the ceiling thing is is. It's tough for some because they look at it's tough for parents in real time to look. And I know we're framing this from a parent perspective because they're usually the ones that send the emails or, right. or ask the texts and, and, you know, the, the ceiling thing is a tough one for some because it's hard to, they just look at them for what they've, for what they've experienced in real time. They don't, they don't project it out. Most of them don't. Um, some of them try to though, you know, and they can, and they can see, but, you know, 20 years ago before this stuff was talked about more openly, it definitely was like pulling teeth to get people to enter into a discussion in that context, because there was no, there was no understanding of it. It was just all, you know, what do we see? Does he pass the eye test? The answer is yes. We like him. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't mean coaches. I mean, just high school fans, high school basketball fans, parents, you know, guys in the, you know, guys in the stands that you hang out with and watch games with. Um, for me, it's always been about what, what they will be. I, I, you know, I would take a chance on a kid um, with the higher ceiling in the work ethic any day. We talk about, does this kid have the ability to play the position in college, that's where we'll play him in the summer because we get to recruit our own teams. 
you know, a high school coach doesn't get to recruit his own team. Yeah. I don't know, anything there to add for you? I mean, on terms of, I mean, maybe in terms of parent perspective, I guess parents only see so much. They don't get out to the games like yeah. the people that do rankings do also. So yeah, the context, context is a big deal. Yeah. Um, especially different parts. Of, and look, living here in Indy, we always say it's different here. Yeah. You know, I'm sure people in Chicago say it's different there. You know, um, but going but off you, that, I mean, you're going competition level too. So that yeah. definitely plays into it. But it goes through Fort Wayne, Evansville, the region. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. you know, bigger definitely. schools like, you know, I mean, the, the NCC schools that have, you know, dominated, you know, that were among the best in the state for years and are a little more, a little more cyclical now than they used to be. But, but there's a, you know, more selection of athletes, even if they are going to different schools in the area. But as they compete against each other, they, they help each other get better. So when you get, when you get smaller schools that don't that kind of play within their own little area and don't really schedule up the fans, the coaches and, the, and, and certainly the players and some of the parents don't get a broader perspective of what talent around the state looks like. So sometimes they lack the context to make the comparison to the, the better or best players in their area. Anything big coming up for you on the horizon this week? Uh, we have fall break Thursday and Friday, so that's nice. Get away for a little bit. You going out of uh, town? No, just get away from school for a little bit. <laughs> well, Zach, I think that's it. Unless there's something else you want to, unless you want to discuss. I think I think we're good tonight. Cool. Well, I appreciate it as always. And right now, we're going to turn the uh, turn over to the part of the podcast with with Caleb Lynn and JD Hall. And Zach, uh, again, thanks for your time and have a good week. Thanks. Joined now by Caleb Lynn, or with Caleb Lynn and J.D. Hall uh, to talk about the first day of the Metro Indie Basketball Fall League, which, full disclosure, is a league that, I, that I've run for 14 years. Caleb uh, writes for the Indianapolis Star right now and runs his own little podcast, ne- his own podcast network, The Running Hook, with a number of podcasts off of that. And J.D. podcasts with Caleb, and, and there's a group of about four or five of you guys, right? Uh, do some stuff together back and forth. Yeah, I think it actually might be about eight of us. Just some people more behind the scenes or hopping yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. And and JD's a, a journalism graduate from IUPUI. Caleb's still finishing up. Um, and uh, so this is what you guys are going to do, which is great. Love to have younger voices on here, and I appreciate you guys. Uh, putting in time with the fall league and, and for the next four weeks, we're going to do some updating on what we saw on Sunday. And I guess start with, you know, you guys, some of the impressions of the early games. Now, for those who don't follow the league that much, the earlier games are, are sometimes, especially the first round games or sometimes JV games, but we've got more varsity teams this year in the past um, or varsity caliber teams in the past. Um they're, they're more lesser known players as the evening goes on, the more known guys start to roll in. So definitely want to put some of the time on some of these lesser known guys. And um, I think JD's muted. Um, but um, anyway, the um, Caleb, why don't you start with some of the impressions you had in, in some of those early games? 
Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll go through them in order okay. uh, from the one o'clock tip off to the four o'clock tip off. For me, the games that I saw in the one o'clock tip off, a player I really liked uh, was Jeremiah Jones out of Kanakee Valley. Uh, he, he had a, a really good, really good instincts in the pick and roll. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, you might sit there and think, okay, he could have a tendency to struggle with finishing. Uh, I wouldn't say he's the most built guy, but uh, he had tremendous skills in the paint. And I'll be very curious to see how he develops because it felt like he just continuously got better uh, throughout uh, that one o'clock game. Uh, was, he the, the was, two, he the ball, was he the ball? Was he the, the ball or was he the screener? Uh, I mean, he mostly was a screener. Yeah. I mean, okay. he had good height to him, uh, you know, more of a big guy. four or five. Yep. There you go. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that was somebody that stuck out to me. And, and then in the two o'clock uh, action, I thought that Michael Howard out of Shenandoah was uh, yep. really uh, something to watch. Uh, he has great, uh, great build and just insane athleticism. I didn't really expect that when I first like saw him on the court. And then all of a sudden he just had a couple of insane days, uh, you know, and I feel like that for him, he's a guy that, you know, it's a, it's a steal. It's a, uh, it's even a block uh, that gets him going because he can use that speed and burst uh, that you know can who, make him really good. You know who his uncle is, right? <laughs> his uncle's Matt Howard who played at Butler. Uh, for all those, for their, obviously the teams that really got, brought them more national prominence. So yeah, Michael Howard is a uh, junior or senior now at uh, Shenandoah. So um, he, um, that, that's a, um, for him to, um, who train, I'm sorry, he transferred in from, from Hagerstown to Shenandoah. I'm sorry. I started getting my, losing my train of thought there. And, uh, but yeah, he's the nephew of Matt Howard from Connersville. So. Yeah. I mean, he, he came out and, and played really well, definitely uh, got my attention on both sides of the ball. And I think that as we see, you know, more weeks, uh, it wouldn't be of any shock to me to see him continue the success he had in the first week. And I also really liked uh, Paul Chandler from Warren central. Uh, I thought that Chandler was really he did a great job of doing exactly what his team needed he, he had tremendous handles uh, he was able to have a great first step off the dribble both with his right and left foot in terms of trying to get his attack going uh, I think for him it would really just comes down to being more aggressive uh, too because I felt like there were times that he had opportunities to uh, you know put in great work and then he kind of settled a little bit, but I think there's definitely flashes there that I'm excited to see uh, heading into the next couple of weeks. And then I also thought Kobe Ward uh, was a really talented player uh, that made some very great plays on defense, never gave up on a play. Uh, that was for sure. And then he also just had tremendous ability to finish inside. He, he rebounded well, he, he made great passes. I mean, he, he was an all around threat, uh, you know, and, you know, to make it a little cliche, he was a threat with the triple threat, uh, if that makes right. any sense. You knew that he had purpose every time he touched the ball. And so from those early games, those were four guys that really stuck out for me. They were, And they ran some action for Kobe, at least the, yeah. the game they, they, we played him. So, um, yeah, he had, he had a good junior year at Danville. And as much as they graduated a lot of guys, as good as they were last year, um, I think they'll, they'll struggle to duplicate the success they had last year in, during the regular season. But Kobe's a, a guy that was part of that group, and he he obviously will have a much bigger role this year. So, 
JD, what were some of the uh, earlier impression or impressions from some of the earlier games that you had uh, with, with with the games you, you guys were watching? Because you guys weren't sitting on the same court at all by design. Um, and we flip-flopped a little bit midway, right? So you guys could maybe get yeah. some different views and maybe even some same views of different games. But, but JD, go ahead with the, that early group of guys you saw. Uh, from the one to four games, it was three guys that played on – ironically the same team and it was it was very it was very interesting because I talked to the coach and he said none of them went to school together but Mm -hmm. the way that these three the way that they know the game it looked as if they played multiple years together um I want to start with the the one who impressed me from opening tip JC Glenn okay Uh, this guy was tremendously active and very athletic and it didn't take much to get him going. I seen he had, I think on the first play of the game, they win a tip, he get a layup, come down and get like two blocks. <laughs> and, and it leads to a fast break. I'm like, okay, that that's interesting. That it instantly got the team going. They had um they they rallied behind that in a way well that in the transition, they they gave them the ball almost every time. Couldn't yeah. stop them in transition. Uh, um, then they guard. They got the guard Trey Jackson. Yep. Very very talented, skilled. It's almost the way that he goes about the game. It's as if he's dissecting it. He picks and chooses his spots. Yeah. He doesn't go out there. He force anything. I mean, I seen him get like four offensive rebounds for easy layups. As as a guard going in there amongst multiple players that's obviously bigger than he is, but the way that he went inside the paint, it it was just like he just knew who when to jump for the ball. If if a big man came down with a rebound close to him, he was instantly in their pockets. It it was just like one of those guys that you you consider a Rondo esque player that that picks and chooses when to 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 stick his hand in there and cause. Then another one, I think, just purely raw potential, as if. Uh oh, I think we may have lost JD. The uh, it, it looked as if he wasn't trying sometimes with the way that this uh kid played. Uh, he, I, I seen in both games he really, he he plays. It, it's as hey, if he's not trying. Who's, who are you, who are you talking about? Who are you talking about now? Because you got you kind of froze up a little bit there. Uh, Donovan Scott. Donovan Scott. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. Donovan, yeah, Donovan Scott. I seen. And multiple multiple plays where he just no look pass, no look pass, no look pass, no look pass. In a row, all of them leading the buckets. I'm like, does he know how hard that is for players? I seen him come down and get a, a rebound. As he leads break, I'm thinking as if he's about to go in for a score. No look pass. I said – 
this is not so this is not something that you find on a regular day basis where every pass is a no look pass that leads to a bucket. <laughs> and so I was waiting for the intensity, the the aggression he had to go after the score. And the first thing I see him do is go for alley oop. Not, not a layup or a jump shot, an alley oop. It was impressive, very impressive. Well, the, the funny thing is with both you guys, and this has been my impression of reading your, your Twitters and, and your Twitter accounts, and, and is you both are kind of new to the high school game, I, I think, right? I'm not wrong on that, correct? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Caleb's pro- Caleb, you're mute. You're on mute, bub. Oh, definitely. Yeah, new in this space. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's, you know, what you, what you learn quickly is the, these kids are probably more skilled than what, what some people think, especially if you view, if your main focus is NBA stuff, which I'm a huge NBA fan. I mean, I'm, I gravitate to that as well. And um, I may be one of the few guys that likes high school and NBA pretty equally. Um, And for me, college is, is a deep third. So, um, you, you, you learn how skilled these kids are. And sometimes they, as much as they work on it, they do it because they see it. They like to, they like to implement it. They like to try it. And then obviously through practice and, and working out with each other, they get a chance, you know, they, they, they pull some of that stuff off. No look passes, you know, leading games with lobs. I mean, being able to make the visual contact it takes to make that play work. Uh, these, these kids kind of figure that out on the go. And, and coach Glenn, who coached that team, JD, that you were talking about, they, those guys do play in the summer together. They don't. I don't. They don't play school ball together. I. I, yeah. I know they don't play school ball together. Um, and with Trey Jackson, he's at Horizon Christian, so he's definitely off the radar. There, you know, that's that's not an uh, an IHSAA team. They've had uh, they've had some success in the past with the Ocean Brothers, who all went through there and ended up playing uh, at, at, in the Crossroads League, which is the one of the best NAI leagues in the country. Um, so as good as Horizon Christian has been within their own space, they don't draw a lot of attention outside of their outside of their 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 sphere, which is more the Christian school, independent from the IHSAA. Um, kind of where Traders Point was before a couple of years ago, as they've tried to get involved with the IHSAA more. So and 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 Victory Christian out of, of Valparaiso, which um, has two has three or four kids in this you know that come down and play. Uh, so I you know which is they're extremely good in their in their league so we get some of that good off off the beaten path talent that comes through and I'm I'm glad Trey made an impression because yeah I thought he was good yesterday um and um you know it's it's good for those guys to play different competition because I think that sometimes they they don't get it on on the regular on a regular basis on their schedule so definitely up their competitiveness yeah, any um, – so, uh, Caleb, Kobe Ward was obviously a player you named that I that I liked a lot. I We we had to play against him yesterday. did very well against us. Um, I think everybody in that team did well against us. We, we weren't the most competitive. But but Noah Linville um, yeah. on that same team was was awfully good against us. And, you know, he's a guy that you – know, he plays with uh, Gus Atchison at Hamilton Heights. At, at any given moment, Hamilton Heights will play – four, sometimes five guards, uh, where, where Gus is probably the, the, the biggest of the bunch. So it is, it is sort of a, um, a, a parade of interchangeable parts up there, and it's hard for some of those other guys to stand out. But, 
but Noah does a really good job of um, knowing how to move out the basketball. He, he had a, he had a mismatch, even at his size at about five foot nine, he's strong. He's a senior. So he's going to be stronger than the kid that was guarding him that he posted up. um, Who's probably the same height, just two years younger and, and a lot thinner, but he understand how to take advantage of that mismatch. And so he, I thought he was good yesterday. Shot. Well, he did a little bit of everything. uh, the, The game that I saw up close and personal, and then two other kids that I thought that played really well in the early games. Um, it, Michael Miller, uh, I think it's if it's not Michael, it's Mikhail Miller from from Ritter. Um, just an extremely strong, quick, athletic, low to the ground. Any other, you know, any other adjective you you give that sort of that fire plug looking player that's just super athletic, and and he's been awfully good. Um, he had a good summer and it's carried over so far in the fall. And then Nate Medelik from Speedway uh, was, was good in the stretches of play that I saw. And it's tough. We could, we could probably each name about a dozen more, but um, yeah. any, any crossover on those names that you guys saw, if not, if it, hopefully speak up, if not, we can move on to the, the older guys or to the, the later games, I guess. I, I agreed with you, you know, Jim, on on Noah. I, he was somebody that definitely was on my list. If I had a, a you know, more time and more right, players absolutely. to dive on, uh, he was certainly in that conversation because of what you said. He, great, great off the ball, uh, had purpose in his movement, uh, which sometimes, you know, you get some people who get, you know, lackadaisical in their, you know, in their off ball movement. They're, they're not uh, as engaged there, but I think you had a great point with Noah. Yeah, he I, he was good yesterday. Um, yeah. Any crossover, JD, or or do we do we catch? Um, I, I only person I would have uh, mentioned that I did see was Noah. I see the other guys. I don't believe, but just like you guys said, pretty much moves the way I, I would say his IQ. High IQ um, for for this level, he knows what what his strengths are, and he don't go out his way to do something just to prove he could do it. Yeah, I mean he's he was he was solid yesterday, and and, and more than solid because he runs that team, and um, you know that was a that's a group that that plays together, and uh, they were uh, they they were fun to watch. Even got a chance to watch part of their um, a little bit of the other game too, and and both did pretty well. So. Um, well, well, moving on to the older, and, and I should say, I shouldn't say older. We've got 24 varsity caliber teams in this league this year, which is the most in a while. A uh, little surprised by it, but um, moving as we go higher later into the day, that's when some of the bigger names come out. And um, so if you guys got that list ready to go, again, we're mostly just touching on you know, three or four guys that, that stood out to you. Don't be afraid to state the obvious uh, if, if they are some of the obvious names. And then I, I want to make sure our listeners know that some of these teams, we had some kids at camps yesterday, so they missed, they may have missed their first games. We had some fill-ins. We've got some bad uniform numbers. Other than that, I thought the uniform numbers were, were going pretty well, but we do. It's one of those deals where if you, if, if there's one mistake, then how much can you trust the rest of it? And, and some of it is just difficult to administrate. So if we come across a name that may not have been there yesterday, 
I'll try to help these two guys along. Uh, but they are going strictly by the rosters that they were provided, which was provided by me and um, by extension. So, so go ahead, you guys, uh, any, any obvious names stand out? Um, anything that you saw that really just Im- impressed you? Cause I can, most of the big names were there by the way. So, so don't be too gun shy about, about naming people. Um, I, I'll start this time. Yeah, um, go. The first one that I've seen is Leland Walker, um, Coach Turner's team. I think yep. that that guy has a very high engine. I mean, <laughs> on both ends, the intensity that he was bringing, it, it, it shows that he knows that he got that team running. Every, everything that he did got that team running. He get a rebound, they go. He get a big steal, they go. And then the close game, he was the he was the one that you I say rallied the guys together. Everybody knew who was gonna get the ball, but the uh oh yeah, JD right there. I thought Leland had a great day and uh... an attacks the way he sets up others, the way he finished around around with both hands. It, it was it was very hard to guard him yesterday. The way he could finish right, left, set up others. Um, another guy, Logan Guard from um, Coach yeah. Adams' teams. There you go. Very fundamentally sound. I mean, everything he did, it looks as if he probably goes over it hundreds of times in a day. You want a right shoulder, left hook turn, left shoulder, right hook turn, the, the ceiling and boxing out. Even if he wasn't getting a rebound, he wouldn't let his man even attempt to go get it. He, I seen him box out after switching on to one of the smaller and He was boxing out from the three-point line. Uh, then another guy, his teammate, Connor Essigen. Mm-hmm. That guy, uh, he had an explosive half in one of the later games. I think go. he put up like 40 points. 47, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he had 40 points in the first half. Four threes in a row. Couldn't stop him from getting layups. Um, and I've seen it all day. He he He's one of the leaders on that team. Uh, him and Logan definitely had a chemistry out there on the court. I've seen uh, on a give and go, you know, simple basketball play. Yeah, and in this setting, cut back door layup. Yeah, and in and in this setting where a lot of these teams are thrown together, that one's not. So they do come in with an advantage that they played together most of the summer. Um, but it still is part of this league is to is designed to know how to play, learn how to play, and then and be be pliable as you learn how to read your teammates and as you learn how to be a good teammate and and. But they come in, especially week one, you know, and and I thought they showed really well, that team focus team, uh, which is in in pool E for us. Um, They, you know, they they had a really good summer. They've got kids. I mean, Connor Asijan has, has, I want to say, three or four Division I offers and, and probably 10 to 12 offers in total. He's a guy that we focus quite a bit on, on our, on the website some of our coverage um but yeah he had a 47 point game 
in the, in the second game. And it was um, the stretch I saw was pretty good. Probably wasn't the same stretch you saw. I saw the Logan guard part and Logan guard played pretty well in the first game too. So, yeah, um, I completely agree. Caleb, anything from this, anything from the second half of those games from the later in the evening and JD, I mean, we'll come back. We'll come back to you too. When we, as we get like a quick roundup to see, you know, if we missed anybody. I mean, there were plenty of guys in that second half that, that, uh, you know, that caught my attention, but I mean, a couple off the top of my head and I don't mean to be the obvious guy, but I mean, Braden Smith, you can just tell has a tremendous feel, uh, for the game, you know, and I, I thought to me, what really stuck out to him is he, he has an incredible shot. Uh, but at the same time, it's more than that. It's okay. He knows where his spots are when he's shooting and he's not, uh, afraid to get there and then at the same time like he's not going to force that shot right, right. he's going to make sure that uh, he's got teammates that were really good uh, Andrew Marnett I believe was another kid that I was really impressed with on that team that I thought uh, came out and played well so I think you know it, it, it should be interesting to kind of see where Smith goes moving forward and how his team looked. Uh, I also thought that Gabe McNary out of Avon uh, mm -hmm. was uh, tremendous uh, in the game that I saw, I mean, I, the thing that I was really, you know, shocked about as I was looking through and, you know, digging these guys a little bit, I saw that he had no division one offers. And yeah. I, I was, I, 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 to me with his size and athleticism, I, I was a little shocked because uh, I, I thought he looked really, really good in the game that I was able to see from him. There is some question with him on what's his identity on offense. That that's, that is a, that's a working discussion right now um I thought that his development in the last year has been mostly defensively and rebounding he's got a, a, a an improved motor from what he had when he was younger and, and that's a function of youth function of maturity a lot of mm -hmm. times uh, you know you think about what JD said about Leland Leland has always had that motor you know and that's that's one of the first things you like about him and and with Gabe that's been an issue now as he's starting to figure that out and become more consistently competitive within the time you know within you know as he's in the game now the question is is what's his definable skill set on offense and I think that's where you get some of that but question before you move on did you you were watching the game where it was Leland Walker I mean it was their teams how much they yes. guarded each other I don't I don't really know that was the game sure. that I was on the other court charting you know yeah. keeping score so that was bad bad administration on my part uh, that game should have been in front of me if I'd have been thinking ahead. But Leland Walker versus Braden Smith, how'd that go? Those are two of the top three-point guards in the Indianapolis area for sure. I think it – Yeah. without without looking at my list quickly, I think it drops off a little bit after that. But those three especially uh, – are those two especially are, are toward the top of that list. How'd that matchup go? Yeah, definitely. I thought for both – I think really what stuck out, you know, JD, I know talked about Leland and his motor, but to me, it was, he has a tremendous ability to get to the rim with both hands. You know, there Definitely. would be times where the defense would be, you know, saying, oh, well, he, you know, they wouldn't say it, but they'd be like, hey, like, you know, try to go left. Well, he did that. He has an amazing spin move uh, and is able to finish with both hands effectively on both sides of the glass. And I think that's important now more than ever to finish with both sides of the glass and I, I feel like he did a great job of attacking when he could I thought for Braden uh it was 
first, I thought he was really trying to settle in. Uh, I thought that uh, he kind of made some things, did some things that wasn't necessarily himself, uh, doing a lot of uh, dribbling, uh, which was basically east to west and not going north to south. Uh, and I thought, you know, as the second half kept going on, you saw him doing that more. And then the defense saying, okay, we need to collapse. And that's when the cutters were able to open up, the slashes were able to open up, and you get to see Smith's playmaking ability. I thought yeah. both guys were uh, really good. Uh, and, and it's going to be interesting to see, okay, like, you know, as you said, Jim, it, both these guys are very talented, uh, you know, and having that first matchup be against each other is going to be great for them. Uh, but, you know, to see how that carries on uh, the next couple of weeks, I think is going to be really fun. Yeah, I hope they get a chance to play each other again. I know um, yeah. Braden's team, Andrew Bennett from Shenandoah kind of spearheaded that effort. I think Braden was involved in that mix, too, as to who was going to be with their group to a point. We don't let them stack teams too much, but but yeah. uh, they they were missing some guys, uh, especially some size. And, and those numbers – not having those numbers help because look, these guys aren't necessarily in game shape yet. Um, so having seven, eight, sometimes nine guys in a roster, they get some rest and, you know, and, and two things on Braden, um, you know, JD was in the back gym during this, so he didn't get to see that matchup, but, and I didn't specifically get to see it, but I sure. watched both guys play a lot. You know, sometimes Braden, I've commented on him in the past and his, and, uh, that he, he has looked to pass too much at times. He will defer in, in, in trying to get his teammates more involved. He's, he's got an incredible vision. I think he's got the best vision in the class. Uh, you mentioned the shooting is definitely a, a, definitely a big-time asset for him and something I think he could do more of. Um, you know, even as he gets into the paint, maybe having a couple of more um, – even if every now and then it's not a great shot. You know, just look to finish – in the paint, that isn't yeah. him just trying to always penetrate and kick, uh, maybe force the action. And that, and that's – you get to a point where you, yeah. that's a kid putting a team on his back. But And the other thing you said, it, it's just really hard to get north and south on Leland, you know. Hmm. And and if there's switches, it's, it's hard to get north and south on, you know, Deontay Davis and, and the, you know, the other guys on that team that they played. Um, sure, sure. So yeah, I would, I would definitely expect yeah. Braden to go <laughs> more east and west that game. But I, I I regret not getting to watch that game, but I'm I'm glad you got the chance to see it because I, I like watching both those kids play. So yeah. Um. Anybody else stand out, Caleb? I'm sorry, I didn't. We got on that. No, no, you're good. Track. You're good. Yeah, I, I think another piece you know that I thought was interesting was B.J. Smith, uh, who was also mm -hmm. with, uh, and he's a player. I was like, man, like I you know you see in warmups, you're like, okay, this guy has a lot of intrigue at least to me at good size. Uh, you know, had guard, you know, like a little bit of a two, a little bit of a one, you know, did a bunch of different stuff. But what I really liked about him was he, he wasn't, there would be at times where I would see the game and, and they would, uh, you know, there would be conflict about, okay, well, I want the ball at this spot and I want the ball at this spot. Uh, but for BJ, it really wasn't that he just did it. He just, he was a very good slasher. He was able to give, you know, give his teammates opportunities. Cause I mean, Dante Davis can, you know, jump out of the gym. Uh, so, you know, that allowed Dante to get uh, some great opportunities to drive due to, you know, a BJ cut or a BJ pass or, you know, him just kind of being in the right spot off the ball. So to me, I was very intrigued by, by BJ. And I think he could be a very fascinating player, you know, cause I would say the stats would suggest that it wasn't a terrific or great game from BJ. 
Uh, but there's a lot to like there, at least in what I thought when I saw that game. And I think there's going to be, you know, some opportunities for him to really step it up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and, and again, really outside of a couple of teams, these guys have not teamed together, you know, and, and yeah. it is at least as, at least as a whole, they, they, there are a lot of them are in, in groups, um, but not as a whole. And then that's, it, that's a logistics point. And, and so they have to learn how to play with each other. Now, now BJ will be a guy that, Christmas Addicts graduated since sincere McMahon who had a, you know, a huge usage rate at Addicts last year. I think, um, you know, and he's uh, Indiana all-star. So his graduation leaves a big hole in, in terms of usage, in terms of production that will have to be filled. And it probably won't be filled by one guy. They'll have Jalen Carson, Donovan Barnett, two other guys that played later, Jalen hooks um, who was not there this past weekend, but will be going forward. Those three guys are on the same team um, in, in, in pool F and they will, um, you know, at, at addicts along with BJ, they will get opportunities now to, to be a bigger part of, of the usage rate uh, there for the, uh, for the, for coach Hawkins's team. So um, I think addicts will be a team you guys will want to see, uh, especially if your schedule allows it. So, cause not only, not only are they good, but, if you guys are both living right downtown, they're probably <laughs> three or four blocks away from where you guys are living. So, yeah. and it's a great place to watch a game. It's, it's historic. So JD, any other impressions from the later games, did anything that crossed over or maybe we missed and Caleb, if you got more guys, we'll come back to that too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, in the game that as we missed mentioned, uh, estrogen, um, Put up forty. It was a guy right across from him, Gus Etchison. Yeah, and that that kid really could shoot. I mean, mm-hmm. they had they had a stretch where they went back and forth just shooting a, a shootout. And and it, it was so impressive because Gus come he was coming off the dribble. Well, on the other side, Essigen he was coming off of screens, down pins, and everything was catch and shoot. So you, you I got to see uh, both sides of great shooting, and it, it was literally a back-and-forth thing. And he, being smaller, I think that he understood that, all right, I, I got to do more than just shoot because he was getting to the paint. He was getting to the paint. He was finishing. He, very fearless. And another kid, uh, Shamar Vance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When I say the ultimate competitor, yeah. I mean, his, his slash back on the dribble move is so past his time. I mean, it, it it looks as if he he literally watches Allen Iverson, Kyrie Iverson videos all day. I seen him do it two plays in a row, both led to wide open threes. Come back down, get an assist, doing it again. It, it one of the I think he was one of the most unguardable players that I seen yesterday. Everything that he wanted, he pretty much got. It was all about if he made the shot or not. I think that uh. His defense was very good too, and he is—he's a talker. 
He definitely. I was going to ask. I was going to ask if you had a chance to rate his trash talking skills because they're up there as well too. So he he definitely very much part of very much part of Mars game. He he definitely lets you know that you can't guard him. <laughs> I I I've, I heard it a couple times yesterday. He made a three. He said, "Which one of y'all supposed to be guarding me?" I said, <laughs> "I like it. I really like it. It shows that he he's such a competitor that that." Through his trash talking, he got under the other team's skin to the point where they were doubling him on inbounds. They they were they were <laughs> I seen the kid, the one that was guarding him, he uh was so close to him the entire time that whenever Shamai moved, he was trying to shadow him. But that's a little bit too much space because all it takes is for him to touch the ball. Every time he touched the ball, dribble, dribble, snatch back. Whoever that was defending him went towards the rim while he went further behind the three-point line, knocked down. Can't give him no space. They, I really was impressed by Hillman, uh, Gus Etchison's shooter yesterday. Yeah, Etchison's uh, committed to Western Michigan, so he's – you know, he's one of the more well-known players, certainly in central Indiana and um, also one of the best athletes in, in the state uh, without question. He is super athletic and um, he, you know, we'd be, wouldn't be a horrible idea if we got him and Leland Walker in some sort of impromptu dunk contest, but because um, both those guys, their, their springs have springs, but um <laughs> I thought the the advanced stuff was good. Did, so did he shoot the ball well yesterday? It's 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 not the strongest part of his game. I mean, it's definitely a part of a game that needs needs you know needs to get you know continue to work on. But did he shoot the ball well yesterday? Oh yeah, I, he had yeah. about two four point plays in the same <laughs> game. In the same game, he I didn't know that he wasn't known as a shooter because right. that's all I seen him do for primarily yesterday. He didn't have to attack the rim. His shot was going. Hey, one of the great things about both you guys doing this is that it is a fresh set of eyes, you know, and it's if I was talking with, um, you know, anybody else that, you know, it, it's in the space that I normally roam in, we we would probably tend to focus on some of the same dudes. Now, you've obviously you've touched on obvious names, which you should because they they all those guys had great days yesterday. I mean, the game you saw, J.D., both uh, Gus and, and Connor, uh, it's Etchison and Asijan. So Connor's last name's a Seijin. Seijin. Yeah. So I, I trust me, I've missed it the first <laughs> couple times too. And Coach Adams is a friend of mine, so he gently reminds me of how it's pronounced. But um, both those guys are dynamic scores for their high school. And and you know, like I said, Gus is going to Western Michigan. Connor's got Division One offers, uh, so he's probably going to end up at that level. Um, you know, watching those guys go both for over 40, it, you know, had had to be fun. Um, I know the game was a little lopsided, but Gus never not brings it. He always brings energy and he always plays hard. And, and that's what I like about Leland. That's what I like about Will. So, Caleb, watching we missed those two. It was yeah. close. Yeah. Watching those two, it looked close. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, it's it's. It's fun to see them compete, even in situations when things aren't. Definitely, tight. and it's not you possession basketball. Yeah, you couldn't tell the competitive spirit was still high. 
Caleb, anything uh, anything else in the evening games? I mean, I, I the other game I saw at the eight o'clock uh, was uh, Coach Schwanner and Coach Stowers. Uh, you know, and I thought that a couple players that stuck out to me uh, were uh, Jalen Carson and Noah Gaddings. Both were yep. uh, yeah. very solid. Uh, and, I, and I thought that, you know, it, it was good to see them get a greater feel for the game as the game was going on. I mean, sure, like we all can get more used to playing basketball in the fourth quarter and we do the first quarter, right? But I thought that it was very obvious in the way that they were both attacking the glass. Uh, you know, that as they, they kept getting uh, more activity as the game kept going. Uh, and so for the two of them, I, I thought were really good. Another piece that I think is really interesting that I, I had my eye on was Sean Black, because there were times yeah. where you could you, see Sean Black, you know, really as a talented player. I mean, he, he had moments where it was like, oh, my gosh, like what what a move. I You know, you don't see that type of move. And then there's be there are times where he you know, came out of it and looked like he was at a hundred miles per hour and couldn't control himself. Uh, but, but I thought that uh, for me with, with black, I, I think he, he is a, a very talented player and I don't know, uh, to be honest with you, Jim and JD, if it was just the way that that game was, they were down a lot. I don't know if he was trying to put pressure on himself to try to do a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I definitely think that there is some talent there. Uh, as long as he keeps himself in the flow and the rhythm of the game and doesn't force himself to do, you know, too many things. Yeah, he is, he, at Warren, he is as guard heavy as they are and as, as well as they integrate those guards, he's still been in a position where he's sort of been behind people. So this will be a first year for him where I think he's pretty much going to be counted on, you know, starting, being a key part of that. I mean, he's always, he's been a key part of the rotation yeah. for a couple of years, but but now he's got some more leadership with Malik Stanley. He's going to have to get that figured out. Deontay Davis is there, transferred over from Lawrence Central. Gabe McNary, who you guys have touched on already, transferred over from Avon. So Warren is going to be pretty stacked. And Chandler Jackson is probably the linchpin of that group because he's the second best shooter or the best shooter, depending on what you think of Malik Stanley. You know, they've got a legitimate starting five and, and my guess is they won't lack for options off the bench either but but they probably have the most dynamic starting five at least on paper I mean we don't know how that's going to play out but in sure. in the state this year um and you know I'm sure those I mean it's not it's not that it's not debatable but those are five obvious pieces uh, that would be good enough to lead most teams and and they are they are together. So, um, JD, any, any last point uh, before we kind of talk a little bit about you guys individually? Anything else from those games last night? Um, I'll say that I think I was more impressed with, like I said, just knowing that these are high school kids and uh, they IQs, the the skill level. I, I don't think that I'm by any means an older guy, but – I I, a, I watch a lot of pro basketball. A lot I watch a lot of pro sports. So to see the same thing that these uh pro athletes are doing, seeing these high school kids do it at a at a high level amongst other high school kids that want to be in the same position one day, I really enjoyed it. I think that uh the more advanced that the 
that the pros get, the more advanced that you know the young the younger generations try to get. And I think that seeing it yesterday, not only was the competitive spirit at a high level, but also it was sportsmanship amongst it. Nobody was disrespecting anybody. And on top of it, I think it really showed how 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 these kids understand that they're all competing for the same thing, but they don't got to go out their way to be disrespectful to achieve it. Right. I, it's good. It's I, I like the competitiveness. They figure it out. The, the first week's kind of hit and miss uh, as they, as they learn each other. And then um, it gets a little, it gets a little tougher as the, these next couple of weeks get on. So especially bracket playing week four. So um, great point, by the way, JD, I, I, appreciate that because it's it's good to watch these kids compete without um without mucking it up sometimes although it, it gets a little heated every now and then so every now and then i have to step in so caleb where can we find your other work um you can find my work through the running hook podcast network which jd hall is also uh, a part of that you can also nice. find my work at uh indie star uh, where we, you know, have, where, where there's articles, videos I put up on Friday nights for uh, high school football. Uh, I'm looking to do some uh, articles for indie sports legends uh, and the campus citizens. So I'll be, I'll be hanging around the, uh, those, those platforms for most of the year this year. And the campus citizens, the IUPUI paper. It, that, that is, is, it is. Yes. Okay. Yes. JD, where, where, where can the, our listeners find some of your other work as well? Um, along with being part of the Running Hood podcast, I have my own separate podcast as well, uh, Facts and Stats by J.D. Hall. Um, I I wrote for the Campus Citizen while attending IUPUI. I got some work over there. Uh, every now and then I'll put out a little poetry. I got a blog, Facts and Stats by J.D. Hall. I'm very diverse, but uh, for the I most like part... My my, I have a blog, uh, WordPress, fastest stats by JD Hall, uh, specifically about sports, and then I have the one with the Running Hood Battleground, uh, and my separate podcast, fastest stats by JD Hall. Cool. We will we will put those links in in our show notes as well, so that way people can find them. And um, hey guys, I want to thank you for your time. We're going to do this again next week. Um, it'll be part of the, the bigger podcast. I don't know. We may have gone long enough today for it to be a complete podcast. Uh, Zoom gave me a little notice uh, that we were getting close to going over the 40 minute mark, but th- they said they didn't care anymore. So I don't know if that's a normal thing or, or what, but um, appreciate your time and, you know, next, see you guys Sunday afternoon. And then for, for our audience, we'll be podcasting again, next Monday morning. And, and then it will be up uh, by the time you guys hear this, it'll probably be Tuesday morning, October 13th. And then you can expect another uh, episode of with these two guys on for the next three weeks as well. So guys, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for that. Yeah, thank you. That wraps up the 33rd episode of courts at Indiana podcast. Our sponsors are Metro Indy basketball fall league. The 14th annual Fall League runs on, started on Sunday, October 11th and runs through Sunday, November 1st. For more information, especially in regards to, to schedule, rosters, and results, you can visit MetroIndyBasketball.com.
Also, BoxOut Sports. BoxOut Sports is the leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student-athletes this season. You can sign up for a free demo at BoxOutSports.com. And finally, Courtside Indiana Podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. You can subscribe to each via those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. And as always, we appreciate a rating and a review. Until next week, thank you for listening. Bye.